what's happening? Dr. Drill here with the Making Motivation Podcast. Today is the uh, the 15th, 15th of January, 2021. It's 3 p.m. I am leaving my office here. Today was a, a nice, productive day. If I'm honest, I was a little bit fucking plum-tuckered out just from the week. You know, trying to... Uh, protect and serve, do my best. It was a good week. It was a very good week. Helped a lot of people, a lot of wonderful people, told some stories, told a lot of jokes. My newest one is about the butcher, my friend the butcher, who um, I went and visited him the other day. He's got his nice little shop up on Summitown Pike in Green Lane. And I went in the other day to, to uh, get some product. And there's a woman with him. I'm like, yeah, you seem pretty chummy. I said, who is this? Friend of yours? And he said, yeah, this is my wife. Meet Patty. Get it? Meet Patty? I might have told that one again. The other one I've I, uh, been cutting loose today is... Um, so it is about... Uh, I had a patient call up this morning and said, oh my gosh, what do I do, Dr. O? My son, my uh, toddler just ate a stack of quarters. I said, oh, shit. You know, what's going on? Uh, I said, I'll be in touch throughout the day. They're going to the hospital. I said, I checked on them around midday. They said, ah, sorry, no change. No change yet. Get it? Change, spare change, cha-ching. So that was pretty, uh, that was good. Very successfully did that because, of course, I'm in healthcare, And so I was able to tell people, you know, fool them a little bit, you know, it's interesting, as I've mentioned before, how people respond to jokes, you know, some people get mildly offended, like you're trying to deceive them, I say, he goes, oh, you're telling a joke, I didn't know whether it was a joke or not, well, that's good, I gotta keep you on your toes, I said, I'm a liar, I'm trying to fool you, I'm trying to deceive, he goes, oh, you're lying to me, huh, yeah, I would never lie to anybody, so, um, anyway, it's fun to cut these jokes loose, I'm having a little bit of fun with them, making people happy, making people laugh, and making them think, which is just as good. Also checked on some people today, some folks have come to mind, haven't seen in a while, making sure that they're okay. I mentioned earlier, I got a friend, a good friend, patient for a long time, boot camper. Her and her husband got the coronavirus, and they're a little bit older, and so he was in the hospital they're out now, he's out, he's got a bad cough, and he's, and she's not breathing so well, but they're, seem to be healing up. Talked to some folks, uh, a, a young woman who recently referred her husband in, and I've become fast friends with him, uh, talking about fishing on the Jersey Shore, and all kinds of cool stuff, and then she came in today, and and I said, I appreciate you confiding in me. Nothing is better than when somebody tells you or somebody sends their loved one in to be taken care of. Okay? Because it means it's like they're endorsing you. They're putting, they're confiding in you. I say, thank you for confiding in me. Because it means that, that you, you know, you see, you feel that I care. And you want somebody else to have that kind of quality experience. You know, that's what I'm in business for. That's why I'm doing this work. 
and sometimes the work can be hard and it can be stressful and it can be demanding and at the end of a long week as I've shared I'm fucking smoked sometimes but I got some good stories to tell I had somebody come in yesterday nice people but I knew it was probably not gonna it was gonna be zany it was a woman whose name I could barely pronounce which is fine uh, Muslim woman I don't know I don't know where from, India, Pakistan, wherever. Uh, It doesn't really matter when I'm taking care of somebody, but she was dressed like a ninja. I mean, full-length garb, just seeing the eyes. Beautiful young interpreter sitting that speaks English, um, you know, sitting watching me take care of her mother or aunt or whoever the fuck it was. And she just, I don't know. She wanted... um, New text message from 84,616. I don't think, I think she thought I was the wrong type of, a different type of doctor because she was like, oh, do you have any medications or anything? I'm not giving you fucking medications. I don't think that they were necessarily looking for opioids or anything like that. But they were looking for some kind of help in the form of a pill. Meanwhile, I'm a physical medicine doctor. Ha ha. I'm going to try to fix you by working on you. So she showed me quickly her knee, and then, and then, uh, very quickly, very hastily, uh, covered back up. Like, oh, I can't show, I can't show anybody, especially a man, my skin. And listen, God love her, but she was a toad-looking, you know, individual, a ninja, like a short, fat ninja, inside of this outfit, just eyes looking at me, and didn't. I could tell. I told her to cross her arms in front so that I could do some muscle work on, her, on her, in around the, the low back area, which hurt. And um, she started doing like the safety dance, or, or she started doing instead of crossing her arms like hugging herself, she started doing like the robot fucking break dance robot. You know what I'm saying? I tried to communicate. I tried to make the person laugh, try to connect and communicate. It wasn't working so well. So that was an experience, man. Some zany shit goes on is all I'm saying. It's it's quite an adventure. Figure I'd share that with you. Now, by the way, no disparaging. I love everybody. I welcome immigrants. I I don't judge anybody for being not speaking a language or their religiosity. I, I don't fucking care. Uh, what I do care is that I'm able to help you, and um, and I love that. I love that I can just, whoever it is, as long as they have human anatomy and physiology, I'm going to try to do my best. I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best to serve. It's frustrating when I can't do that or where they, they don't even know what kind of doctor I am. So I got a sneaking suspicion I haven't heard the last of them. So look, I got, before we start, uh, before I get cut loose on my weekend, and I can't fucking wait for that. Um, I have some stories to tell. Uh, the first one is uh, my friend, a good friend of mine, Brian. So, great guy. Works uh, for a big pharmaceutical company and is looking at a potential promotion. He, he's Really, he's my friend, I'm biased, but he's just a tremendous guy. Smart, sharp as a tack, knows his business, 
great sense of humor, great ability to communicate, passionate about his work, and he's up for this potential promotion. I guess there's a half a dozen other people who also interviewed, and he said he felt good about the the interview, and he talked for like an hour and a half about all that he would like to do if he were to be awarded the position, and said, you know, I left it all out there, and... <clears throat> I hope that they select me, but if they don't, it's okay. You know, I mean, it's, it wasn't meant to be. I, I did my best, and I think I'm the best person for the job. But I'll still be working, be, still be on mission and contributing in a big way. So, what a great attitude. And I was talking about how, you know, different people you work with. and um, We were talking about people and how different types of leadership. I said, that's a great, refreshing attitude because there's a lot of people who will... Um, they have a different approach. You know, they lead by by fear. Uh, as I had mentioned before on these podcasts, my experience in the Marine Corps was the most dramatic, impactful uh, experience with people and leadership and, and uh, command presence and all that stuff. Uh, and there's two types of leaders that, that we had often talked about. There's leadership by fear. Where as a Marine, as a warrior, basically, you compel people to follow you by threats. Either threats that they're going to get in trouble, they could get non-judicial punishment, or they could get their ass beat, or they could get intimidated. I mean, that's what the, what the military is all about. It's like, you know, I'm in charge. And there's some people who do that in a way that makes people want to follow them. And that is encouraged, and that is taught, and that is handed down um, from leader to leader. Um, books have been written about that. You know, people who like like Chesty Puller, who was just a, an iconic Marine and the epitome of a leader. He loved the um, the enlisted. He he respected and he loved the enlisted man uh, who would be doing the fighting in combat, and he would always pal around and, and, and chum up, chum it up with the enlisteds, so that was, that's wonderful, you know, so he's an example, but there were certainly a lot of others who, because they didn't, if they faltered with that approach, if they couldn't be a chesty puller for whatever reason, they get jealous, they get resentful, somebody doesn't follow them, then they default to the, okay, I'm going to tell this motherfucker to comply, you know, that I'm in charge, and that's a fast way to lose respect, fast way to lose friends, it's very tempting to behave that way, however, um, but there was, then there's leadership by fear and then leadership by respect, and I always tried to be that, that guy, I believe I was, and a lot of wonderful Marines and teachers and business types that I know that operate like that. Basically, and that's the type of person Brian is, where you don't disparage people. If somebody doesn't get something or they don't do a good job, well, you try to help them um, get on the right track. And if that fails, you find a way to reprimand them that that you try to leave their, um, you know, their pride intact and their uh, try to respect them and the result is, predictably, that they respect you and they want to do the job, they want to do a good job for you. 
So even if they don't want to do a good job for themselves, they will want to try to serve you well and make you proud and be part of that unit. And so that is a big thing in the military and the Marine Corps in particular. You want to follow somebody because you you love them and, and, and you, you love the way they treat you. And so that's the way, you know, you respect that, you honor that by uh, repaying them with hard work and mission accomplishment. And then you look good, they look good, everybody wins. That is, uh, counterintuitively, it's the hard way. Because, again, a lot of people just, they fail in a leadership task, and then they... um, they just default to they default to leadership by fear. So anyway, Brian and I were talking. He said, "You know that that's a great way to put it, Doc. That you you know you honor them. You honor the people who work for you, and they're not working for you. In fact, you would just, you might describe it as working with you, so that everybody wins, and that you want to take them with you. And if if you know everybody looks good, so that's a wonderful way to operate." So then we started talking about how uh, my friend Brian, he, um, he used to work in hospitality. So he worked managing restaurants and stuff like that. So he's very familiar with how to do that right and how to manage people and work with folks. And told me a story a while back about how he was, um, I think it was an Applebee's or something. It was some you know, crazy menu where they got all these things on the menu and this is what they got the menu items now. And one of their, are you saying there's a Mexican um, <clears throat> workers in the kitchen and the one guy was out and the other dude didn't have a timesheet and he's like, who are you? He's like, I'm Pedro or whatever. And he's like, Pedro, do you, do you know the menu? I mean, do you, he, he knew everything. Like he had everything, whether it worked at a, uh, in fast food so long, uh, in hospitality in kitchens for so long that he could just do it all or that he remember he worked at a, in that particular restaurant before, I don't know, but, um, and Brian didn't have an opinion, but he said the guy freaking pulled it off. He did it all. And that's pretty interesting. Um, a great story. And he was talking about something called the Sirloin Saloon. It was in Vermont and he managed that. And he was talking about how, like I was recollecting upon, uh, when I was growing up and the first jobs that I had, whether it was a paper boy or it was a, um, whether it was a paper boy or it was uh, as a dishwasher in the... Damn, that guy's interesting. Working in the kitchen as a uh, prepper, short order cook, dishwasher, gopher, toilet fucking bowl cleaner, whatever it was. I'm glad I did that gritty work. It might have sucked at the time, but I had a tremendous time doing the work and I feel like it provided such a great foundation of how to work hard and how to problem solve and how it's like that micro dirty jobs thing. It gives you an appreciation for all things that follow. So I'm a better businessman uh, having done some of those jobs and having those stories to tell. And Brian most certainly having managed uh, restaurants in the hospitality industry and so on and so forth, he, um, he's a better manager today and he'll probably get this job because of those experiences. I mean, they're indispensable. And he, he said one time somebody, you know, gave him shit or, 
whatever, and he said, yeah, you know, I, I work in the hospitality industry, bitch. I know what I know what's going on. You want to try to, you know, he said, sometimes people will say, um, hey, well, you know, they'll call out some, be like, oh, I mean, give this to me and I'll fix it. And you'd be like, okay, we'll go ahead and do it. And now you give them an opportunity. Now it's go time. They have to, uh, um, the responsibility is theirs to perform it. And a lot of times they won't even try to perform because, um, you know, they're, they're, they, their mouth wrote a check that their ass couldn't cash, right? So very interesting. Talking about the Sirloin Saloon and how people... Um, and some of the stories from there, how we're talking about the, in, the internal aspects of a kitchen and how um, he said he loved working in the back of the house because, you know, you get in the groove. You're cooking and orders are coming in and you're busy and the waitresses are coming in and picking up orders. Order up, fire fire table 13. Oh, we asked for this. They didn't get this. They got that. So you have to fix and troubleshoot all these things. And it's just just amazing. Everybody should have to do that kind of work. Fast, mission-oriented sort of work. Just wonderful. So, um, the Sirloin Saloon. We're also talking about the back of the house, how, how uh, you know, you go out, they're, they're cooking steaks all the time, so if you're hungry, you're smoked at the end of the day, uh, they throw pieces of meat and you just freaking, you grab the food and just, scarf it down in a similar way maybe to when I was a dishwasher in that Italian restaurant in my formative years um, there would be uh, you know they had like an endless rock lobster um, special so you, people would return these rock, rock lobsters that would be cut in half um, and people would uh, just couldn't eat them all so they, when they come in I see that drawn butter um little freaking dish of drawn butter and a rock lobster tail, I would grab them and, uh, and just scarf them down because I was so fucking hungry and tired, you know? And, uh, or I'd grab one of those roasted rosemary potatoes, new potatoes, uh, roasted in a pan and high heat, fucking garlic, rosemary, delicious. And that stuff, the many lessons that were taught courtesy that hard work. So I want that for my kids. And we were talking about our kids and how I can't even get my son to, to change a toilet roll or toilet paper roll or, um, you know, wash out his, uh, breakfast shake container, put it in the dishwasher, clean their own clothes. I want to start getting them on, on mission, uh, helping, helping us, to run a better household and so that they know and are able to, to complete all the tasks that need to be done in order to survive in this world. You know, even if they're not things that they're going to be doing, you should be able to do it all, right? We should be able to, um, you know, write a paper and scholastics are awesome, do arithmetic, to read a book. You all should be able to do practical, you also should be able to do practical things like cleaning, washing your own clothes, uh, fucking plunging a toilet, you know, using the basic tools to fix something, making things work. Uh, I might have mentioned the other day, my son, he's got these Dr. Dre beats and he inadvertently sat on them and broke it and just broke the plastic housing, but it looked like it was, they were shot. Uh, 
right? So I took this uh, quick dry glue and I glued them back together. I said, do they work? Does the sound come out of the, 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 uh, the speakers? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they, they, they make sound. I'm like, well, fucking salvage those damn things. It's not going to, he's like, oh, there's glue on those. I don't want to use them. Fucking crazy. I'll use them. So I got myself some gently used Dr. Dre beats. Learn how to fix shit. You know, learn how to survive. Especially today. As crazy as things are. Okay, I got a final story. This is one of my patients. Uh, he was a good guy. Treating him on a workman's comp um, injury. And we've become, you know, I'm friends with everybody. I try to be, you know, understand people, connect. Let them know that I'm on, again, trying to serve them to the best of my ability. And so we become fast friends, and he has my respect, nice fellow. And I said, what's going on this week? And he goes, oh, yeah, i got some things going on. A, a couple weeks on this date, I'm going to, uh, it's my birthday, and we've got this big uh, food, and we got some, we're trying to get a DJ going, and, and I'm going to um, propose to my girlfriend. I said, oh, that's, that's awesome. He's telling me how he's going to do it. <clears throat> and then he says, Oh yeah, my my kid's gonna be there. So your kid's gonna be there, and your and your um, your your kid's mother, and you know the, what, what what's gonna happen there, and how do they feel? And he goes, oh, the kid, uh, she was uh, my my the, my baby's mama. She um she actually was sending me pictures of rings and stuff, and trying to help me plan the party. I'm like, what? And I was thinking just how unheard of that is, because most of the time people especially people that have been in relationships like that. Um, when the relationships end, they typically end bad. And then if there were to be other relationships or happiness from one of the parties, it's very difficult for people to move on and not judge and not um, make trouble and be jealous and all that shit. So he's like, no, she's behind it. You know, I'm very, I feel very fortunate and blessed to uh, that we're remain friends and my kids benefit as a result. And I, she, we have no problems between us and she wishes me well. And I wish her well. And I said, God, that is a, that is a tremendous thing. What a awesome accomplishment, especially when I hear all the, all the problems that can arise between, um, you know, in these situations where typically they're crazy rivalries, all kinds of dollars, um, spent trying to go to mediation and divorce court and paid to lawyers and um, just ill will and all that shit. So those are some nice stories that uh, I had to tell about today. And now I'm utterly exhausted and I'm about to go home and sit on the couch with my dog and my family will all be arriving soon. I'm going to have a nice cup of coffee and we're going to talk about dinner for the evening and tomorrow I'm going to fucking sleep in. I'm going to try to carve some wood. Try to catch up. Put the wind back in my sails for another week. Embrace for whatever drama is going to come out of us next week. But Because you, you know it's going to be one of those news weeks, right? The inauguration of our next president. And uh, just hoping that cooler heads prevail. Yes, yes. Love and respect. <laughs>